If you died today, if your plane crashed, if your heart stopped beating within you, if you choked on a piece of broccoli, are you 100% sure that you would go to heaven? Now, maybe you've heard some variation of this. Maybe, maybe not that last part about the piece of broccoli, but this seems to be the opening line for the Christian when they're trying to present their faith. But the question is, should it be? I think sometimes we commit these unforced errors, especially errors in judgment when it comes to presenting our faith and breaking the ice, talking to people that we know and perhaps people that we don't know. And even before we begin the conversation, we've ended it. We've destroyed all chances of the conversation moving forward. And we scratch our heads and we wonder, man, that didn't go too well. Well, better luck next time. But maybe we can be more intentional. Maybe we can try to do things in a better way where we can get more results and we can have a better conversation. So today we're going to be looking at the unforced errors that Christians make when presenting their faith. I'm Damon Matichera. Let's talk missions. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. I'm glad that you've tuned in once again as we continue this discussion on the Great Commission. And it is a discussion that we need to have because many people, many Christians, look at the Great Commission as unrelatable. Uh, it is something that the missionaries do 8,000 miles away on the other side of the planet. But for me, living in the United States, uh, you know, I go to church. And we have missionaries come in, and that is world evangelism. Remember what we talked about earlier on, that the Great Commission, it does encompass world evangelism. And we need more missionaries. We need more men and women to have a burden to go to the regions beyond. But at the same time, world evangelism is one aspect of fulfilling the Great Commission. The Great Commission also is you doing your part you giving God glory right where you live in the United States. It's about making disciples with those that you are leading to the Lord. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, Damon, I'm, I'm not leading people to the Lord. I'm not discipling anybody. Well, start. <laughs> I mean, there's no time like the present to get involved and to start doing something where you can make a difference. You know, I was just talking to Lisa the other day, and we were talking about how, like online, on Instagram, on Facebook, there are so many online influencers that are really gaining large crowds of people that are following them. And what they all have in common is that the, the major influencers that have thousands upon thousands of people following them is that they're all offering them truth about how they can live a better life and how they can be their better self and how you can have it all and basically feeding into the American dream, how you need to have opportunity and how you are perfect and how you can have what you want. And it's all about me and it's all about what I want and it's all about fulfilling my desires, making myself look good, uh, building my image. And it has nothing to do with helping other people and investing in others. The, the whole attitude and outlook of the Great Commission is not even incorporated with so many of these 
uh, online people that are influencing our churches, gathering crowds, telling them, yeah, you can have it all. You can be that, your, your better self and all of that. And, and people who are really trying to, to, to direct others to follow God, you're not going to find really large crowds gathering around that message because today people want their ears tickled. They want to be told uh, what they want to hear. And that is what the world is doing. The world is just going to give you what you want. They're going to tell you what you want to hear. They're going to tell you how, how you matter and how everything is about you and how your very life is to fulfill everything that you want because you deserve it. How you can have value in yourself just by doing what pleases you, what you're comfortable with, uh, and all of that. And so life today, according to the American dream, is about me trying to be comfortable, to, to find that next level of comfort. It's about adding securities. So I feel good about myself. So I feel good in my society. So I feel good in my church. But life is about more than just me. It's about God. It's about my life giving glory to God. I can't just focus on me. You can't just focus on you. That's what we call narcissism. <laughs> it's when people are so obsessed with themselves that that's all they think about. And that is what governs every decision they make. It's all based on how does this affect me? And this is the attitude that people have when they approach the church. How is the church going to help me? How is the church going to make me better? Uh, how is the church going to provide me with what I want and with what I need? What is the church going to give me today? Instead of looking at the church as a platform for how I can serve God, how can I serve God in my local church? How can I get involved and connect with people so that we can give glory to God in and through our lives? You see, it's a whole outlook change. And if we let this attitude, this spirit, this narcissistic attitude influence us, then we're just going to get caught up with everybody else and with what they're doing and with what they're focusing on. And things like the Great Commission are going to seem so boring and so outdated, archaic, and unrelatable. Because investing in other people, that is just so yesterday. <laughs> and people, they want to focus on what do they have to do to have a better life, to have a more comfortable life, to have a more secure life. Well, today, we're not going to be talking about what you need to do to be more secure. Uh, we're going to be talking about putting yourself out there. I mean, just go out there. Uh, there is no security. <laughs> there is no comfort. Uh, you're just going to have to put yourself out there for the cause of Christ and meet people and talk to people and do your best to fulfill the Great Commission with those that are near to you. Now, there's no room for unforced errors. That's what we're talking about right now. Because many times when we go to present our faith, we make so many mistakes. We make these unforced errors. You know, when we look at sports like tennis, we have an unforced error, which is a mistake in play that is attributed to one's own failure rather than to the skill or effort of one's opponent. So if I'm playing tennis, and I am constantly hitting the ball out of the court. 
Well, my opponent is not forcing me to do that. I'm doing that all by myself. That's an unforced error. If I am skillful in the game, if it's a regular routine shot, I should be able to hit the ball over the net. Have you ever played tennis and you're just, you're hitting the net time and time again? Well, I hate to break it to you, but that's not normal. You, you need to hit it over the net. <laughs> uh, an unforced error is a mistake that the player carelessly makes on an easy and a routine move. So hitting the ball over the net is as routine as it gets. That is the whole purpose of tennis, is to hit the ball over the net. If you're constantly hitting the net, then you are making countless and careless unforced errors. So don't do that. <laughs> you, need to get, you need to get better in the game. You need to practice. You need to go out there and actually work on that routine so that you're not constantly making mistakes. Because as you go up against other opponents, you're gonna find that they're good. And you don't even, you know, they don't even have to be good necessarily if you're constantly giving them the point. And so don't do that. And so when it comes to sharing our faith, a lot of times we make these similar unforced errors. We pray for opportunities to share our faith, right? At least we should be, I hope you are. And we pray and we say, Lord, I want to have an opportunity to share my faith. I want to have an opportunity to talk to someone, to tell them about you, and to give you glory by being a witness and by telling people about Jesus. This is what we pray for. This is what we hope for. And then the time finally comes. Now, wouldn't you hate to have that door of opportunity open and then slam shut because you made an unforced error. Because something that should be routine, like sharing your faith, it was not done properly. And that routine move, you just messed up. And that opportunity was lost. How many opportunities do we lose every day? Because we just, we don't do things the right way. We don't say the right thing. And we, we, we just scare people off or we close the door. I mean, there are so many things that can go wrong as you try to witness to people, as you try to talk about Christ. Uh, and the person that you're talking to, they have their own insecurities with you talking to them. And now you are having your own insecurities by you talking to them. And so everyone just feels insecure, a little awkward. And so it's a kind of tense moment when you're sharing your faith because it is a personal issue. And when people talk about these intimate issues, by the time you get there in the conversation, if, if you can get there, sometimes it's a little tense. You don't want to make a mistake that would close that door. Especially if you can get far enough along in the conversation where someone is really open to talking about this topic of their eternal destiny. A lot can go wrong. So avoid these unforced errors. Uh, you know, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, Behold, I send you, send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. I love this, this passage here because we are literally sheep 
in the midst of wolves. Don't, doesn't it feel like that sometimes in this world where the world just wants to destroy any mention of Christ, any mention of the Bible, any mention of our faith? The world just doesn't want it. And not only do they not want it, but they're actively opposing it. They're, they're wolves and we're just sheep. He's sending us out as sheep. And so he says, be therefore wise as serpents. Be wise and harmless as doves. You need to have wisdom. That's all I'm trying to say. When you go out there and you talk to people, have wisdom. Uh, you're going to hear me saying this a lot, but be intentional. Do you know what I mean when I'm saying be intentional? I'm talking about have a plan, okay? Have a, a system, uh, a presentation, but have a plan in your mind so when you go to talk to someone and share your faith, you're actually going somewhere <laughs> with the conversation. You're trying to lead. You're taking them on a journey from point A to point B to point C, and you're trying to systematically persuade them and show them what the Bible says about God and their relationship with God. So we need to know how to communicate. That is essential. Uh, and this is where things kind of fall apart. Okay, so as we're talking about unforced errors, they mainly happen when we try to communicate to others. Now, your first moments with people are vitally important. That first moment, uh, your appearance, your demeanor, but most importantly, your message will determine whether people will respond to you, whether they'll give you time, um, and, and all of that. Uh, that first moment, they're going to look you over. They're going to say, who is this person that wants to talk to me about such a personal issue? Uh, and if you look like some punk on the street, they're going to say, what, what does he know? And you say, ah, oh, well, they shouldn't be judging me by my appearance. Well, yeah, well, God is like that. God could see your heart. God knows your heart. But other people don't. All that people know about you is what you present to them. And so present yourself in a way where people could look at you and they can say, wow, this guy, he seems like he might know something. Um, he seems put together. He has a message. He seems confident. He seems polite. Uh, many Christians, they prefer witnessing to people that they don't know. Have you ever wondered about that? How we prefer to go and to talk to people that are total and complete strangers? rather than those that are near to us, those that we actually have a relationship with? Why is that? Why, why is it that we're always wanting to go to neighborhoods? Um, you know, back when people used to go house to house, I, I don't know if people do that anymore, but when I was younger, we went house to house and it was easier. We would go to these homes where I didn't know them, they didn't know me. And I feel like sometimes that we like that more because we, we know we don't really have a plan. We could mess up. We could just say the wrong thing. And hey, we're never going to see these people again. <laughs> and we might be a great story for them that they'll tell their family over dinner as they laugh it off. Uh, but with us, it's like practice, practicing. But that we shouldn't really treat it like that. Okay, Christians, they prefer talking to strangers, but it's with the people that you do know and have invested in that you'll actually have more opportunities. 
you've already built a rapport with those people. Okay, you communicate with them on a regular basis. They know you and they still like you for some reason. <laughs> I mean, if you have a friend and maybe they've been your friend for a number of years, well, for, they see something in you that they have in common and, and that's a good thing. And a lot of times we don't want to talk to those people. We look at our friends, our closer friends, or our neighbors, and we feel incredibly awkward with sharing our faith. And we are like, wow, no, I can't talk to them. Let me go to a neighborhood where they have no idea who I am. Uh, this way, I can just say whatever. I can mess up. I can't mess up. I can't really say something stupid if I'm talking to someone that I know and that I'm going to actually see again. Listen, the people in your life, talk to them. Uh, be real with them. They know, they probably know that you're a Christian. Well, if they know you're a Christian, they should know that you're a Christian. Listen, if your friends don't know that you're a Christian, that's a problem. Uh, they, they need to know, even by your behavior and your, your life choices and your outlook, all of that should point that you are a believer. And if people don't know that you're a believer, then, then that, yeah, then we need to rewind and go over a few other things. But uh, hopefully your friends, they know that you are a Christian and that you're a follower of Christ. And so when you open up a conversation and you say, hey, have you ever thought about this? Uh, I, I think that they should respond to that and maybe they'll do it quickly or maybe they won't really allow you in right away. But if you're patient and you wait for that moment, that right moment when they really wanna know, and they're, they're ready to talk. You see, communication builds relationships. And the people that we communicate with on a daily basis, we have relationships with. And they know that we care for them. There's an element of trust. There's that element of uh, mutual respect. And so we have a better opportunity and chance of moving forward with that conversation, that witness with these people than we do a complete stranger. Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't talk to complete strangers, we should. But that only means that we need to make sure that we're ready for those real conversations with those people who know us best. Don't avoid them. Don't avoid talking to your family members. Don't avoid communicating. Remember, communication builds relationships. This past week, I was teaching in our Bible school in the village, talking about communication, talking about this very topic, in fact, how we need to uh, be faithful men. And a faithful man will be faithful to his wife. And I was just kind of making a point about communication between a husband and a wife. Obviously, for there to be a relationship, there needs to be communication. They, they need to know how to communicate. And the husband really needs to take the initiative to communicate well to his wife. The Bible says, husbands, love your wife. <laughs> and so we were talking about that. And I was asking them, how often do you tell your wife that you love her? And in instantly, all the men were laughing because in the Zambian culture, uh, they don't really express love publicly. Now, privately, I don't really know. Besides um, that physical act of love, I don't really know if they express it in words like, you know, honey, I love you so much, and this and that. But they thought it was incredibly funny. And they were just laughing up a storm. And, 
and just thinking, I mean, this is the greatest thing. This, you know, this, this Mazungu, he's just asking us these funny questions. And so I, I said, well, let's go around the room. Think about your wife. And when you think about your wife, what is one thing that you love about your wife? Because again, communication builds relationships. And so we went around the room and I actually was really impressed. And I got to know the men a little bit more. But one man, he said, I love my wife because of her smile. And I was like, man, that's a great answer. I've never heard that from a Zambian man here. He loved his wife because of her smile. That was great. Another man said, well, my wife is beautiful. I love her because of her beauty. Another man said, well, my wife is such a help to me. And, you know, just around the house with the children, on the farm. Um, and, and so I love her for that. And I was like, this is great. We are communicating. I felt like I was communicating to these men. They were communicating to me. And the whole point, what I was trying to do, I was trying to bring them to a place where they would realize, you know, we need to communicate this to our wives. And that's where I was leading with this whole conversation. One man, he said, well, I love that my wife, she cooks these great meals, chihuahua and, and shima and these different things. So we went around the whole room and we got to the last man. And I looked at him and he had all the, you know, most of the time to think about what he wanted to say and in which way he loved his wife. And he said, ah, I love my wife. Um, the one thing I love about my wife. And he paused. And he looked up and he said, I love her fatness. And, and, and it took me a moment and, and I was like, okay. He's like, yes, I love her fatness. I, I was like, hey, you know, he loves her fatness. And so I said, you know, I looked at the first man. I said, you loved your wife's smile. And I looked at the other man and I said, you loved that your wife, she helps you around the farm. I looked at the last man. I said, you love your wife's fatness. I said, now go and tell your wives the things that you just said, because it's not enough just to think it. You need to learn how to communicate. And so I'm sure that that one man, he went home and he looked at his wife and he said, ah, wife, I love you so much. And I wanted to tell you that you are so fat. I love your fatness. And in their culture, this is a great compliment. Now you talk about unforced errors. It would be an error for you in our American culture to obviously to take this lead and to look at your wife and to say that you love her fatness. Uh, I would not recommend that, but if you do, you could try it and let me know how that goes. Although I think it would be an unforced error. But the whole point of the exercise was to, to show the men that communication is important, that communication builds relationships and, and that we need to you know, especially between the husband and the wife, there needs to be communication, open communication. Um, like that one man, he wanted to go tell his wife how fat she was and how much he loved her for it. Uh, and that, you know, was how he felt. That was what he felt. But in the, same, in the same way, we need to have communication with the people around us. Now, again, don't, don't tell people that they're fat in our American culture. I know that today it's um, you know, there is a growing movement that embraces fatness. Uh, and so if that's your thing, then go for it. Uh, but at least with your neighbors, with your friends, with the people that you work with, 
try to build relationships because you can't just walk up to someone and just say, "Hey, you. If you died right now, today, if I killed you, are you 100% sure that you would go to heaven?" I mean, just that that statement is going to scare off most people. What is your message? If I can just encourage you today, if you can just remember one thing, remember this. What is your message? Is it about going to heaven or is it about accepting Christ? Have a plan for communicating that message. Figure out number 1, what is the message? Number 2, how do I get there? How do I communicate it? So last week we briefly talked about having your Bible in the front and the back flap filled with different scriptures uh, arranged by topics so that you can answer questions and you could have that knowledge ready and available at your fingertips. But this is going to help you later as you progress in the conversation. But you're never going to reach there if you mess things up in the beginning. as you introduce yourselves as you begin in your talk about god if you totally slam the door shut well then then the door is shut <laughs> so don't make these unforced errors kind of like uh you know those of you watching the video version of this podcast you probably have been wondering why are there a bunch of animals on the back tv uh, i don't know i don't know where they came from but You know that would be a great example of an unforced error. Shouldn't have been there, but it was. Now, if you were just listening to the audio version, you're you're probably wondering what is Damon talking about. <laughs> so go back and you can watch the video and you could see all of the animals that were on the back TV there. But just like I had this error that this mistake on the back TV, don't have an unforced error in your conversation as you share your faith and as you point people. to Christ because sometimes you only get one chance. You know, I think of Will Rogers and he said something so profound. He said you never get a second chance to make a good first impression. You know how true? How true. The moment we meet people and people have their first impression of who we are based on, you know, our appearance, our demeanor, uh, all of that the first words in our conversation people gauge who we are people they kind of evaluate who you are and whether they want to talk to you <laughs> or whether they're just going to kind of leave you in the dust so that opening line uh you know you need to think about it you need to put some thought into how you're talking to people you know if you're going the route where you you know you throw the the most common line if you died today are you 100% sure not 95 but 100% sure that you would go to heaven uh, you know i think all you're going to accomplish is you're going to get people right from the get go wondering how can they get out of your conversation how can they just run away and leave you behind so if that if that's your goal well congratulations you will accomplish that goal but For most of us that's not what we want to do. We want to talk to people. We want to engage in conversation. Now, I know there's probably some people out there that are thinking, you know, Damon, are you one of those wishy-washy Christians that just doesn't want to talk about death and hell and 
you know, the things that Jesus talked about. No, not at all. I think that there is a time to talk about death and hell and all these different topics, but not in your opening line. Okay, that's probably not the best time. Most people don't even want to talk about death, you know, thinking about their own death. They don't want to talk about that topic with people that they are intimate with, let alone a complete stranger. You know, having a relationship and even a conversation, it's, it's like an onion. There are so many layers of the onion. Talking about really intimate topics like salvation and, you know, eternity, that's way down in the onion. That's down several layers. You can't just start a conversation talking about something that's really intimate and expect them to respond very well. So, so take it slowly, take it easy, and start uh, with things that you have in common with the person you're talking to. You know, there were two men growing up, well, there are many people. I mean, I am who I am today because of the investment that people made in me. Um, and I, there was two men that I went out evangelizing with that really had a, a profound effect on me. Uh, one was John Valley. And I had the chance to go out evangelizing a couple of times with him. And what I loved about John Valley is how he just totally disarmed people. He, I mean, this was back in the day when house-to-house -house evangelism was a thing, you know, pre-COVID. You know, today, you know, you, you walk up to someone's door and they'll, they'll shoot you or something like that. Uh, but back then, we would go house-to-house and he had such a way with just making people feel comfortable. You know, you know, as he approached the door, he would, you know, notice different things in the yard or, you know, around the house. He would strike up a conversation with them. And for like 10 minutes, we would be talking about something totally unrelated to why we were there. It had nothing to do with the Bible. It had nothing to do with anything. But he had that connection, that instant connection with this complete stranger. And they felt comfortable, we were comfortable, and it allowed us to talk about God in a way that, you know, they weren't afraid and they weren't intimidated as much when we would go and approach them. Uh, and I really tried to incorporate that even in my own witnessing. Um, and so that really, really had a profound effect on me. Another man who I loved his, his way that he talked to people was Mike Ireland. He was a missionary to the Ukraine. And, you know, everyone has kind of their own style, their own technique of how to engage those first few moments in the conversation. And I never heard anyone pose the question like he did. And this is actually what I do now for myself all the time. But he would look at the people that we were talking to and he would say, how is your relationship with God today? And people, it's like they never had heard that question before. They never thought about it, but it made sense to them. And they were thinking, wow, um, probably not really good. You know, a lot of people would say that. They would say, or, or, or some would answer, I'm not really sure how my relationship is with God. And by placing the focus on where it needed to be, people's relationship with God, it allowed us to follow up with that natural second question. Well, do you have a moment where we can open the Bible and show you how you can have a relationship with God? And instantly, we've gone from point A to point B, and they're still wanting us to talk, and the, convers the conversation was still moving forward. 
So by focusing on a person's relationship with God, it centers the attention on the main issue, which is reconciliation. You see, when you start a conversation with a person's eventual death, it's hard to move on from there <laughs> because that's kind of consuming uh, in their mind. All they're thinking about then is, why is this guy asking me about the time when I die? So your opening line is important because it kind of sets the focus of the whole conversation. Now, our goal is to share with them the gospel, how they can find peace with God. So let your opening line, let those first few words that you have to say, let it reflect the goal that you have. If you want to bring them to a place where they're thinking about God and whether they have peace with God, well, start. Start with that question. Say, hey, how is your relationship with God today? How, how, how are things with you and God? Because when we look at the other technique, you know, using the, the common line of, are you 100% sure that if you died today that you'd go to heaven? Uh, it, it really misplaces the focus because the focus of salvation is not on heaven. Heaven is a great thing. It's a perk of salvation for sure. But salvation is not about going to heaven. Using heaven as a means of getting people to say a prayer is like trying to bribe my children to make their beds. You know, are they really obeying me? Is it obedience if I have to bribe them? It's like I'm trying to dangle a carrot, you know, trying to say, hey, do you want to go to heaven? Don't you really want to go to heaven? And people are like, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess so. I mean, if the alternative is going to hell, then sure. I mean, who doesn't want to go to heaven? Well, say this prayer and you too can go to heaven. Uh, again, is that really salvation? Are we leading people in a prayer just so we can get another notch on our belt? It's not about trying to lead as many people in a prayer. It's about trying to show people how they can have peace with God, how they can know Christ, how they can have a real relationship with him. And there is no substitute for it because the worst thing that we could do is to lead people in a false profession of faith because then they're going to think they're saved when they're really not. Because words matter, definitions matter, and motives matter. See, if my child gets caught with his hand in the cookie jar and he starts to cry, is that repentance? Well, is he crying because... He feels remorse for disobeying me? Or is he crying because he got caught? And you see, that's the difference here. Motives matter. We need to focus on what needs to be the motive behind salvation. If I approach salvation as an unbeliever, as, well, I just want to go to heaven. Oh, and that's it. Or I, I really don't want to go to hell. So let me say this prayer. Um, and let me just do that. Well, when you start the conversation and your main objective is going to heaven, well, then you've missed the main point. I mean, you missed the boat. You missed everything. Because asking that doesn't lead them to understand what they need to understand to accept Christ. That they're guilty before God because of their sin. That they are unable to change their condition before him. We are sinners. Nothing can change that. I don't have an ability to save myself, no matter how good I think I am. So if I just focus on heaven 
And of course, people are going to want to go to heaven, but that's not the point. The point is, you've offended God, and there's no peace between you and God, and there's nothing you could do to change that. That's why Christ came, and that's why he died for you. And there's only one sacrifice for sin, and that is the sacrifice of Christ. And his righteousness can only be received by faith alone, without anything that we can add to it. So why are, why are we keep on using terminology that's not doctrinally relevant? Why are we putting so much focus on heaven in our witness and as we share our faith, when it really needs to be on our position before God and our relationship with God? How is your relationship with the Lord? So if we are intentional with sharing our faith, we are going to focus on one's obedience to the gospel, because that is what it's all about. Have you obeyed the gospel? The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 14 through 16, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. What does God mark as beautiful? He marks the feet of those that preach the gospel of peace. Their feet are beautiful. Their message is it's, it's good tidings, glad tidings of good things. But the, the, the whole message here is not built around, hey, are you ready to go to heaven? Or do you really want to go to hell? Uh, no, I don't want to go to hell. Yeah, I want to go to heaven. No, it's about have you obeyed the gospel? Have you responded to the gospel of peace? Have you believed? So this is the message that we need to incorporate into our witness. It's the strategy that we need to take. It's what, it's what Jesus employed, and it's what we need to as well. We look at the apostles, and again, we follow their example. But verse 16, it says, But they have not all obeyed the gospel. The gospel is about obedience. Whether or not we have responded to God in obedience to accept him by faith. In Romans chapter 1, God has revealed himself to all mankind through creation and through his word. We have a responsibility to act on what we know. Our conscience condemns us. The law of God that he has given to us, it condemns us. And so now what are we going to do with that? What are we going to do knowing that there is a God, that even the heavens declare the glory of God, that his word reveals God and his character and who he is in a much more detailed and divine way? What are we doing with that knowledge? As we stand guilty before God, as we stand there having no excuse, where do we go from there? Where do we go from understanding our guilt, understanding our sin, and wanting peace? Well, that's the objective. That is the goal. How do I find peace? And so as you're developing your strategy for witnessing and sharing your faith, make it about the gospel. Make it about man finding peace with God. Uh, that is one of the greatest questions that people want to know is, 
What is the purpose of life? Is there a God? And if there is a God, how can I find peace with him? And so this is the heart of the gospel. We're doing all of this not to impress people, not to argue with them, not to win in an argument, uh, but we want to present what God has done in our own lives. God's changed us from within. God has made us a new creature, but all of that has resulted only because we've responded to the gospel. Someone took the time to present it to us, and we obeyed, we believed, and we are now made new creatures. And we know that one day we will be with God in heaven. But that, that fact of going to heaven, that was not the objective. My main goal in praying to ask the Lord to forgive me was not about because I just want to go to heaven. It's because I understood I had done something wrong. I had offended a holy God. And so help people to understand this. Do your part to learn how to communicate because you need to, communication builds relationships and we need to build relationships with people to present the gospel in some way, shape or form, even a complete stranger. You need to show that you are invested in them as you give them the word of God. So have a plan have a well-thought-out presentation of the gospel, and do your part. It's your responsibility to give the gospel, but it's also your responsibility to give it in a way that's clearly understood. Because if the gospel is convoluted, if it's just foggy and, and it's not able to be known, well then, what point is it in presenting it? If the people that we're talking to they're kind of scratching their heads wondering, man, what did I hear just now? How is this going to affect me? How, how am I really going to know God based on what they just told me? Talking about heaven is not going to work. That is an unforced error if we go that route. So be prepared. Avoid those unforced errors and do your part. And God is going to reward your faithfulness with, with opportunities, opportunities to share your faith. But pray for them. There are people in your life that you want to accept the Lord. You want them to get saved. Well, you might be the one to share the gospel with in a way that they can understand and respond to. But if you're not ready, if you're not prepared, maybe that opportunity will come and it will go. Wouldn't it be a shame if you prayed for so long for an opportunity only to have it wasted because you just had so many unforced errors and you turned them off to the gospel and you turned them off to accepting Christ because you didn't know how to adequately present it. You didn't know how to explain it. But listen, that doesn't need to be your story. You can be prepared. You can know. Most people today, they don't share their faith because they don't have that knowledge. They're not taught how to present it. They're not equipped with uh, where to turn, what the Bible says. They know what they believed, but they just don't know how to convey that message to someone else. So take that time. Take that time. Maybe there's people in your church. Maybe you know someone that you respect and you know that they have that knowledge and they might be able to, to bring you up to where you need to be so that you can present it in a way where people can act on it. So thank you again for tuning in to 
the Let's Talk Missions podcast. Um, we really value uh, your contributions, your write-ins. Uh, if you have questions, just go to our website at hopezambia.com and you'll find a contact uh, page there on the top header. Just click on that and you can send us an email or if you're on Instagram or Facebook, of course, you can just private message us. But we do want to hear from you. We want to know where you are, where you're tuning in from. And of course, if you have any questions, you can also even uh, just send us a text message on 585-333-9586. So thanks again for joining us. Uh, and I'm really praying that as you are growing in your faith and as you're learning more about how to be the light that God wants you to be, that you're going to bear fruit and that you are going to get excited about the work that God is doing in your life. And so be faithful and keep on shining that light of the gospel to those that are near and that you have an influence with. So I'm Damon Matichera. Take care and God bless.